Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Thank you very much for joining the 2022 interim results presentation for Quicksent PLC. Uh, I'm just going to start for any of those of you that are watching that haven't uh, come across the business before to very briefly describe what we do. So Quicksent is a technology outsource partner and we work with our customers, which are the manufacturers of electronic equipment to support them in providing outsource solutions for key part of their technology requirements. And we do that by focusing on specific vertical markets. Over the business, we have several different engineering disciplines covered, hardware, software, displays, and mechanical engineering. And we have that covered via a global team of engineering uh, capability, uh, spanning from the, the West Coast of the US as far as Japan in the Far East. The first market we identified to bring this business model to was the casino gaming market. And what we brought to that market was a bespoke computer platform, which combined hardware and software elements that allowed the manufacturers of casino gaming machines to outsource their computer design to us. And through doing that, what it enabled them to do is to focus a greater amount of their R&D on game design, which is the key commercial differentiator of the slot machine from their competitors. We then went on in 2015 to acquire Densitron. Densitron has a 52-year pedigree in supplying industrial display products. And through that business, we execute our strategy to diversify into new focus sectors and move up the value chain in those markets. We've got an IP-rich portfolio with patents granted. We've got about 230 employees globally and operations in nine countries and customers in 50. So a very global business at its heart. And we've had a historic double-digit casual growth track record up to the four-year results last year. So just briefly on gaming, um, I talked about gaming being a, uh, a, an offering which allows customers to focus increasingly on software. So game software, the game itself is what players play a machine for. And you can see on this slide that uh, in the past, before Quicksync came along, the gaming machine manufacturers were still spending significant amounts on the computer platform and the cabinet design, leaving less budget available for game development. Well, we leveled the scorecard so that game development takes the lion's share of their investment. And that means that they can have hopefully a better chance of writing good games that the players will enjoy playing. You can see our slot machine deployment on the orange box on the left-hand side. The market overall is addressable is over a billion dollars on a very global basis. And there's a handful of sort of large companies, some of which are public within that. The overall, the global slot machine install base is about 9 million units with typically a 4 to 5% annual replacement cycle before the pandemic. And that reflected about 400,000 odd machines uh, per year being replaced. So that's our directly addressable market for our computer platform product. Average video slot lifetime is three to five years. Outside of that three to five years, there's a much bigger block of, of old, uh, what were called uh, colloquially one-armed bandits, uh, which were not video-based. And, uh, and, and those have a much longer lifetime than that three to five years for a video slot. Just on to Densitron. So Densitron is a display components business initially, and you can see that on the left-hand side, these display components find their way into many different industrial equipment used in global machines. But over time, what we've been doing with Densitron is moving it into a, a business supplying higher value products. 
the control surfaces where we add computing into it as people need to add touchscreen type technology to their equipment. Uh, the add addition of computer technology means that we can enable them to make those touchscreens easy to adopt. And then finally, by adding software onto the mix, we can add a sort of a full turnkey offering for controlling uh, of equipment. And the first market where we've seen this opportunity to uh, leverage the group's engineering expertise is the broadcast market. Uh, and what we're helping customers to do is to um, move from this uh, mechanical control of broadcast equipment uh, up to uh, up to touchscreen-based control, and in doing so, migrate up the value chain within that market and grow that business at double digits. So hopefully that's a good idea of what the company does. I'm going to move on to now how we've been performing over the first half of the year. So first half of the year, we're really pleased with how the period's gone. We had a good end to 2021, and that's continued in the first half of 2022. So we've seen continued buoyant demand across all our markets, and that's signified by order intake being ahead of current year revenues and indeed ahead of prior year order intake in the first half. And that is on top of a significant growth in gaming revenues and in Densitron revenues, gaming being back towards pre-pandemic levels and Densitron achieving the highest ever six-month period since acquisition. So very strong revenue performance and also pleasingly to see at better gross margins. So we've seen somewhat of a recovery in gross margins. We issued several price rises to customers last year to push through the component cost inflation we were seeing. And as we've seen the component prices leveling off in the first half of 2022, those price rises we enacted to customers have started to show some recovery in our gross margins. And that is combined with higher production volumes in our manufacturing, driving operational leverage and pushing up our margins. Supply chain has been, I'm sure you're aware, an extremely difficult time, particularly in the electronics sector. And we took early action proactively to buy strategic stock in 2021. And whilst that's resulted in an outflow of cash from operations, it's meant that we've managed through our supply chain risk very well and enabled us to continue to deliver those strong trading performances that I've talked about. And we've also, as one of our key strategic pillars, aimed to diversify our business and move up the value curve within those sectors. And within gaming, we've made good progress within that by converting the first production order for our cabinet solutions, which allow the customers to buy more from Quixent than just a computer board, but buy full turnkey cabinets. And that order is valued at $4 million and is due for delivery partly in Q4 this year and into 2023. So really strong period of trading performance, and, and we're very pleased where we're positioned uh, coming into the second half. And with that, I'm going to hand over to Johan, who's going to take you through some more of the financials. Thanks, John, and, and good morning, everyone. Uh, as we move to slide eight, we see the group financial highlights for the first half of 2022 compared with the first half of last year. And as John said, a really good first half for the group revenue of 53 million, up 46% on the first half of last year, and also sequentially up on the second half of last year, the recovery in gross margin to 31.6%, up 130 basis points from the first half of last year. And the higher revenue and improved gross margin meant that we could grow both profit before tax and EPS by triple digit to 3.5 million and 4.1 cents, respectively. We have seen an outflow of operating cash flow in the first half. This has principally been the, the investment in working capital that we've made to secure uh, critical components to be able to meet the, the current demand of our customers and also build for, for future growth. Um, at the end of 
June, we the group still had net cash of, of $12 million, so, so good operational liquidity uh, to, to, to fund further growth. As we move on to slide nine, which shows the group revenue performance by half year going back to 2018. And as you can see there, continued recovery, the fourth consecutive half year of growth from the impact of the pandemic, with the group now consistently getting back to the pre-pandemic levels, revenue of 53 million in the first half. What's particularly pleasing about this is it's been broad, consistent growth across both businesses and aligned with our strategy. We're building a more diversified, stronger business. And one of the metrics of that is our revenue concentration. If you look at the graph on the bottom left, that shows revenue from our top 10 customers as a percentage of our overall revenue. And we've broadly a similar revenue concentration in the first half of the year, but still improved compared to pre-pandemic due to a higher density on contribution and also continued diversification within the gaming customer base. As we move to the next slide, this just shows revenue by our two divisions, starting with the gaming on the left. And, and again, you can see there the recovery from the pandemic revenues up 71% year over year in the first half and also up 9% compared to the second half of last year, driven really by buoyant customer demand. Order intake has continued to be very strong ahead of revenues and ahead of the prior year. We've also seen resilient management of our supply chains, which has meant that we've been able to deliver our components to our customers and ship 22,500 platforms in the first half of the year, 45% up on the first half of last year and the highest first half since 2018. Moving on to Densitron on the right, another very strong first half, a new high of 21.9 million, improving on the second half of last year and also being 21% higher than the first half of last year. This again has been broad based across all of the Densitron subsectors, including broadcast, which grew by 43% year over year. Moving on to gross margin, and as John said, gross margins up. We started seeing the recovery in gross margins up 130 basis points from the first half of the year and 230 basis points from the second half of last year to 31.6% in H1. The margin recovery will reflect a combination of factors. Firstly, we're seeing a leveling off in component pricing, allowing the effect of the price rises that we put through in 2021 and early 2022 to start to positively impact margins. We've also benefited from the higher proportion of gaming revenues, up from 50% in the first half last year to 59% in the first half of this year. And then finally, with the overall higher revenues the group are delivering, that improves our operational leverage, leading to lower cost of manufacturing. So it's really the combination of these factors driving the, the recovery in margin. And this recovery has been delivered despite what has continued to be a challenging uh, supply chain uh, environment, particularly with freight costs still at elevated levels uh, when compared to uh, pre-pandemic. But we have taken action to, to recharge more of these uh, from our customers. Moving on to our profit before tax, $3.5 million of profit before tax delivered in the first half of the year, nearly three times the level of the first half of last year primarily driven by the higher sales volume. So sales at 2021 margins, adding $5.1 million to our profit line. The improved margin, adding a further 600,000. We have, have seen an increase in our operating expenses of 3.1 million. This has been largely due to investment in headcount as we've supported the existing performance and also the future growth of the business by adding to our sales and product development headcount. 
We've also experienced the impact of cost inflation in our operating expenses, most significantly in wage inflation. We've tried to balance the need to retain top talent with the wage inflation by focusing the salary increases on increasing the variable pay structures and share-based payment compensation. Looking ahead to the second half of the year, we expect that cost inflation will continue to impact our operating expenses. But despite the effects of inflation, we expect to improve on our profit margins from the 6.5% that we delivered in the first half of the year. We expect margins to approach double digits in the second half of the year, with this upward trend expected to continue. Finally, just looking at our cash performance, this graph shows the movement of net cash in the first half of the year. $12 million at the end of June, decrease of 5.6 million, primarily due to the investment in working capital as we've invested in stock to secure key components and be able to deliver to our customers. And without the investment in stock, we would not have been able to deliver the growth in revenues that we have in the first day off and continue to deliver to our customers. In addition to the working capital investment, we've also continued to invest in new product development with 1.2 million capitalized in the first half. And we've also made tax interest and lease payment of 1.6 million. Looking ahead to the second half of the year, we expect uh, further cash outflow in the second half due to the dividend payment of $1.9 million that we made in, in August. And also as we expect that working capital would need to stay at these elevated levels due to what remains um, a volatile supply chain uh, environment. But looking ahead to, to 2023, we expect Uh, working capital to unwind in line with uh, improving supply chains. Uh, And with that, I'll hand back to John. Thanks, Johan. So let's just uh, dig into gaming a bit and uh, learn a bit about what's going on in the underlying market. So one of the things that gives us a great degree of confidence that we have a strong growth opportunity ahead of us in the business is the underlying casino market is very strong. So this is the market that our customers' customers are operating in. And what we see in the really important US market, where around 60% of our business comes from, is over 2021 and into 2022, you're seeing record levels of land-based casino revenues being reported in the North American market. So that sort of level of uh, strong market demand for gaming machines is one of the things that has been surprising in how quickly it's recovered and how resilient it is after the pandemic. So in America, you saw a real V-shaped recovery in land-based revenues and now continuing to report revenues at record levels. Europe's a slightly slower recovery, so principally because many of the European countries had more stringent measures on COVID for longer. Uh, You didn't see that stark improvement in 21, but the European Gaming and Betting Association is assuming a significant improvement in 2022. And you can see that characterized in the chart on the slide here. And then thereafter going on a sort of a gradual single digit growth in land-based revenues. Uh, Asian markets, so particularly the Macau market, remained uh, heavily subdued uh, due to COVID restrictions. Uh, the Macau market in particular um, is not particularly uh, critical for, uh, for QuickSense Direct opportunity, principally because it's got a very small number of slot uh, machines deployed in the market. It's more of a table games market, so it represents a small proportion of our addressable market. But overall, the gaming market itself, and particularly the North American market, is very healthy. And we see 
the end market as being compelling for our customers to continue to deploy new machines into and therefore for us to be deploying more of our computer board solutions and cabinet solutions into those customers. And also that we are continuing our journey of further penetrating more new business in those customers. So overall, we don't, um, you know, we don't need a growing gaming market for Quixen to be successful in growth. It's about penetrating more business uh, and convincing more customers to outsource to us. The gaming cabinet offering is something that we've been working on very hard for a number of years now, since 2019, actually, where we first launched our self-service betting terminal for the sports betting market. And I'm really pleased to say last week we announced that we had won our first mass production order worth $4 million for a new customer for the electronic gaming machine cabinet that you see on the left-hand side of this slide. The gaming cabinet offering executes one of our key growth pillars, which is to increase our share of the customer wallet. So by supplying computer boards to these customers, we can earn a certain addressable market. By supplying the whole cabinet, that increases the area of the addressable market we're supplying into. And also in the current market climate, full turnkey hardware offerings are ever more valuable to customers as they focus increasingly on just the software element of their machines. And by doing that whole turnkey cabinet, we enable the typically smaller customers who are targeting lower cost gaming markets to extensively outsource their hardware and software and focus entirely on software development. So really exciting evolution in gaming cabinets and something that we believe will deliver uh, continued uh, revenue growth uh, in years to come. So on to Densitron and what's really pleasing within the results we announced in April this year for last year and also in this round of results is Densitron's continued its trajectory of beating records. And in the first half of this year, it improved on a previous high in the second half of 21 to grow to another record period of trading in the first half of 2022. And that builds on a resilient trading period through the pandemic. So whereas the gaming business was affected by the closures of casinos through 2020, Densitron really traded very resiliently through that downturn and continued to support the group's financials. Part of the reason why we're seeing this ongoing growth is broadcast, our second focus vertical after gaming, has delivered another period of double-digit growth, so increasing 43% in the first half compared to the prior year. We've also made uh, some important key highs as part of the investments that Johan highlighted uh, in Q3, including uh, the introduction of a senior product specialist from Grass Valley and a a broadcast sales leader. So um, so significant, important highs for us within Dentstrom Broadcast that we believe will be critical to the ongoing growth and conversion of new business within that sector. And we also announced in August that we'll be launching a cloud deployment of IDS, which has previously been deployed in some very high profile broadcast corporations as an on-premise solution. Now you'll be able to get it as a cloud deployment offered on a SaaS basis, and that reduces the capital intensity for customers looking to deploy IDS and allows them to, to convert that capital investment into an OPEX type investment and make it more flexible for them to deploy upgrades, et cetera. So excited to be launching that at the IBC show, um, which takes place uh, this week. And then the other part of the growth we're seeing in Denstron is just because we've been doing a lot of work over the period since we bought the business in 2015 to transform the company's display components business, the part of the business that's been operating for 52 years. And there's sort of a host of different things on this slide that we've been working on, improving the supply chains and moving it all into Asia, reorganizing the regional teams to improve on their focus in sales growth. We've terminated some non-performing business units and rationalized product offerings and a broader a greater degree of KPI-led 
management. And overall, what we believe is this has led to a sort of a structural improvement in our fortunes in the Denstron Display Components business. And particularly at the moment, we think that the investments we've made into inventory has given us a competitive advantage and allowed us to win new business in what is a very competitive market. So we believe that these actions overall in the long term can deliver the sustainable single digit growth in the Denstron core display components business. And that then sits alongside the double digit growth that we see from the focus markets such as broadcast. So an exciting time for us, we believe, in Dentatron and sort of the turning of a corner for that business to a future exciting growth story. So just onto the group, and I just want to sort of highlight or reiterate some of the group growth drivers that we have. So the first is we seek an objective to identify target vertical markets where we can supply a product into that market, which is not currently offered in general uh, technology solutions. And we then try and allow the customers to outsource that part of their infrastructure to us. And within that, we've made good progress in the first six months this year because we've delivered another double digit period of broadcast market growth, which is our second target vertical market. We've also, as an objective, got a target of identifying new customers within that market and really understanding at a very grassroots level what those customers need. And we've also had successful conversion of a new customer in gaming cabinets and pipeline progression within gaming boards and broadcast as well. So a successful progress on that objective from the group's growth strategy. We've successfully increased our share of the customer wallet. So by announcing our first gaming cabinet mass production order and continue to invest to move up the value chain in products such as Tactilla, which is a tactile touch technology that's used for the broadcast market. And we continue to have a robust balance sheet. So as we see strategic acquisitions that are compelling to add technology capabilities, we have a position where we could move forward on deal flow of that ilk. So just in terms of outlook, we are extremely confident in the business's growth ahead of it. So we have an ongoing strength of broad-based order intake, and that gives us confidence that there is significant growth available in high quality revenues. Our product offering brand strength have been, if nothing else, improved during the last period as we've helped our customers through a difficult time. And we've had greater stock available because of our investments in, into strategic stock, and that's driving increased customer momentum. And so whilst there is ongoing macroeconomic uncertainty and we don't expect supply chain challenges to ease immediately, uh, we believe we have got good experience in tackling those issues. And we believe that means that whilst we continue to have demand, which is tempered by supply, we believe that we can take advantage of the buoyant market demand as we go forward. So supported by a strong start to the second half and excellent order coverage, um, we're very, very confident achieving um, the recently upgraded 22 expectations for revenue and profit and believe in the longer term through disciplined execution of the growth strategy that I outlined, uh, we have compelling opportunities for long-term uh, high quality sustainable growth. That's the presentation. I'd be very happy to take any questions. And we've got a question from James Wood from Canaccord. Two questions from me. Um, both kind of relating to turnkey cabinets, I guess, in one way or another. Um, the first is um, more to do with the sales cycle and whether the, the, the sales cycle for turnkey cabinets differs from that relative to, you know, the, the standard platform offering. Um, also, there's a, a similar regulatory environment with regards to the bill of materials on that. 
Um, and then the second question is to do with working capital intensity. Um, obviously, investment in stocks being a key driver of the success of late. Um, and I wondered what a normalised profile is going to look like going forward, especially if you continue to build out the cabinet business. Okay, thanks, James. Yeah, I'll I'll pick up the first one, and Johan, maybe you could pick up the second one. So, um, so just on the first point, um, the the gaming cabinet uh, sales cycle, I think, is very similar to uh, to the computer board sales cycle, principally because the end pro the end offer is exactly the same. So, whilst um, you know, perhaps in gaming cabinets, um, be because we're targeting some of the smaller customers, there may be a degree to which you can win the business quicker. Um, I think that the sort of the, the ultimate conversion of 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 um, lead through to mass production sales is about the same because you still have the customer's integration effort to put their software onto our onto our gaming hardware. You then have the regulatory approvals to seek. So I don't see a radically different sales cycle compared to the gaming computer board. So it is you know a relatively long gestation period. Although I think because we're doing more of it, they haven't got to investigate mechanical compatibility between the uh, computer boards and their own cabinets because we're designing that whole piece for them perhaps the sort of the conversion of the the lead to 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 confirm new business may be a bit quicker yes and then just on the on the second one james uh in terms of the the, the process with um working capital for for the cabinets it's really similar to to the rest of our, our gaming computer um boards and so um there shouldn't be a change in in the working capital profile in terms of the investment uh, because of of the cabinets versus versus the the our more traditional business, uh, and it's also we have the same the same challenges around this. So it's going to be um, the the working capital profile will change just in line with how the broader market uh, normalizes. I think it's fair to say, James. You know, on on the overall supply uh, issues, you know, we do that they they will ease. Um, there's a, there's the million dollar question of when. Uh, literally a million dollar question of when they ease um, but um, but they, they will ease and and as they do ease we have the ability to uh, reduce our inventories from the current levels so we don't see that structurally our group inventory needs to remain at this level on an ongoing basis um, but clearly underpinning uh, customer demand and trying to um, protect customers from uh, supply chain stoppages which has been our our central um, objective throughout this period is is the most important thing we can do. So so utilizing working capital to enable that has been our has been our preferred uh, approach. Uh, but as soon as we start to see some confidence that there is going to be an easing of uh, components, and bear in mind, you know, it's any component in our design that could stop the production. So we need to be very careful about sort of being blasé about you know some areas of the market easing because if others aren't, um, we we could um, we could catch a cold. So. We, we have to make sure we safeguard supply chains first and foremost. And, and as they ease, we, we expect to see a reduction in working capital intensity. And we'll go to Lorne Daniel from FinCap. Um, quick follow-up on James's question uh, on the cabinet. One of the uh, points that was made about the turnkey solution is that you would be able to make a difference in terms of the design, designing, for example, uh, a, a better uh, heat diffusion uh, than they've had in the past. Have you been able to institute that in, in the first, this first uh, order? Will it differ? Will people look at this order and say, you know what, this is a better way to do it? Um, can, have you been able to make a dis difference or will that, will that happen as we go forward in, in, in terms of cabinet designs? 
Yes, yeah, so, so we have taken into account a lot of things that we've learned. You know, we've learned lots from looking at customers' deployments of our computer boards. And so, you know, yes, uh, we have implemented uh, some of that. Of course, you know, engineering is all, always about ongoing continuous improvement. So, you know, there are things that we also will continue to uh, enhance as next generations of the product come out. Uh, but, you know, we we've built this cabinet from scratch. Um, it's been a design, a ground up design. And therefore, uh, in that comes lots of flexibility around making decisions that mean that on long term, your uh, your offering is is, you know, dealing with things like thermals, which are an ongoing issue uh, for cabinets and particularly, you know, thermals related to, um, to related to the sort of preventative maintenance, as it's called. So cleaning out dust filters for example which get very clogged up if you if you make that easy to do uh, the casinos are more likely to do them so we thought a lot about how we make um, you know the, the cabinets easy to maintain by the casinos and therefore less likely to fail uh, in the field uh, dust is a is a real problem um, in many of the um, locations where machines are installed it's a dusty environment uh, it can be uh, you know, in, in things like the desert where you get a lot of, uh, you know, sand coming in. So we need to try and make ways in which um, the, the cabinets can, are resilient to that and, and therefore have a, a longer a longer shelf life. Mm. So it's safe to say that as, as these units go out there, people will start taking a look at that and uh, will generate further interest on the, on the back of that. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say, you know, we, we've, we've talked a lot. I mean, we work with our customers anyway. Um, that, that design their own cabinets um, on thermal design, because obviously, you know, we have a vested interest in making sure that, you know, our boards are installed in the right locations, that they're, you know, that they haven't got any of the vents blocked. Um, you've had, you know, things in the past where, for example, you've had the tickets that are used for ticket in, ticket out being stored on top of, of our products and that blocks fan vents. So, you know, things like that, we've tried to, you know, to so, sort of support in the integration efforts. And that's really the part um, of the partnership that we offer. It's not just about supplying them a board and that's the end of it. We want to make sure that board then works for them for, for five years uh, in the field. So, so you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, everything we've done is, is unique in our offering. I think it's something that we, you know, we've tried to build all of what we've learned into our offering. Um, but certainly our customers are very proficient at designing cabinets, which, you know, take into account many of those characteristics. And we'll go to Hayley Palmer at Canaccord. I just had a quick um, question on the price rises and the gross margin impact. And I was just wondering, as the um, component prices level out and then maybe return to more normalised um, levels, might that create some risk to an unwind of the price increases that you've put through to customers? And then would there be kind of an associated um, impact on the gross margin on the other side of that? Yeah, so it's, it's a great question. So, you know, look, we, we, we've said, you know, time and time again, we're not looking to profiteer out of um, out of the inflation that uh, that we've passed through to customers. So we have done several rounds of price increases. In fact, it's sort of evident in our P&L that it's, uh, it's hit us because we haven't done it fast enough or greatly enough uh, through 2021. So we're not looking to profiteer out of the price increases that we've, um, we've affected to customers. And so, you know, as we start to see price is easing um, on the component side uh, we are going to look to offer uh, customers you know a, a reduction in their in their sale prices it would only be fair to do so um, so that the pace at which that happens um, you know will be, will be dependent on you know the pace at which we see components easing off uh, we're not looking to sort of give discounts um, because you know there are 
um, you know, rumours of easing of the market of the of market pricing. We we haven't seen that bill of materials cost easing yet. We've seen it levelling, uh, so it's not continuing to go up. But you know, we will look to to offer some discounts to customers as as um, the market starts to ease and component prices go down. And ultimately, that's why you know our business objective is about increasing the uh, value of our product offerings so you know within the the, the dentron business in broadcast we're looking to increase the value of the products we're offering because that's how we earn enhanced margins through earning it uh, with products which are worthy of those margins not by profiteering out of, of, of market dislocations on pricing and um, we've got a question from robert sanders at shawcap just on the dollar uh, and trying to gauge what the move in the last six months has done in terms of to the business and more importantly what's going to happen as we move into the next year uh, you know is it a big is it a tailwind is it a headwind is, how, how do you go about forecasting what the dollar is going to do um, yeah and it's probably good yeah, for you to yes, pick up yeah um in terms of in terms of what the dollar is going to do i think it's it's at the moment maybe it's what the pound's going to do um against the dollar which has been difficult to to forecast i think in terms of our exposure to the dollar most of our um, more than 90% of our sales are in, in dollars. So the, 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 the dollar movement doesn't really impact our, our sales price. And we also buy most of our components in dollars. Uh, it's really just our, our operating expenses with our cost base in, in, in the UK um, and in Europe, uh, which is impacted by, by the dollar. So the, the, um, the, 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 the strengthening dollar will, will, will help us from, a, from an overall operating expenses um, perspective. Uh, but um, yeah, and so and so we've we've taken out hedges in the past to do hedge against the movement in the dollar, uh, but for the most part, it's just it's just managing the man, managing the costs um, and then trying, you know, keeping a keeping a close eye on on uh, on the FX movements. And we'll go to William Larwood at Liberum. First question for me is just sort of on the sort of margin differential between sort of the turnkey cabinet sales um, and your sort of existing computer board. Um, devices so you know as that portion grows over time um is there a margin benefit um there and then the second one is what are your thoughts on sort of m a at the moment are you looking at any opportunities in in other sort of uh subsectors uh so so on the first point um the, the gaming cabinets um you know sort of pr- probably unsurprisingly there's a big lump of metal um that we're supplying as part of that offering uh, and, and those gaming cabinets are an important sort of route to market for our computer board. So, so the overall gaming cabinet revenue, uh, uh, overall gaming cabinet margins, we expect to be uh, somewhat lower than the computer board margins, although still from a sort of an overall group point of view, uh, still compelling uh, to, to target um, and certainly not dilutive to where the group margin is, uh, our, where the group margin is today. Um, so, so gaming gaming cabinets um, nonetheless add, add value uh, to the mix. And so, you know, they'll be priced accordingly for that value that we're offering in terms of the full supply chain um, outsourced to us. Uh, in terms of M&A, uh, yeah, it is uh, very much part of our business strategy. We've, we've undertaken M&A in the past uh, on a number of occasions now. Um, and, and clearly for uh, for a couple of years now, we've been focusing on our knitting and trying to keep the business that we've got um, ticking along and looking after our customers' um, uh, demand. Uh, but, um, you know, we are looking for uh, ongoing uh, new deals. Our balance sheet is strong, which enables us to uh, take advantage of uh, opportunities that arise. And, you know, where we see technology uh, companies or, or 
uh, bolt-ons which would enable our uh, acceleration of our growth strategy we would look to uh, take advantage of those through through acquisitive uh, means and that is the end of questions john do you have any closing remarks Thanks, Tamsin. So overall, we are extremely confident, as you can probably gather, uh, in our outlook for the second half of the year. Uh, order coverage, excellent um, and supported by good trading uh, in the half to date. Uh, and that means that we you know, believe that the upgraded expectations for, uh, for the business uh, for the second half are very achievable. Uh, and we're confident of, uh, of getting to those numbers. And thereafter, we see uh, excellent order intake, which means that for the year ahead, we also have uh, good confidence of an ongoing growth story uh, and the sort of the longer term uh, outlook for the business through this uh, execution of the growth strategy means that we believe uh, the company can deliver a high quality, sustainable growth uh, in the years to come. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.